1: to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed as I broadcast from behind these enemy lines uh, called USA Inc. It's a Monday evening, just a couple of minutes after 6 o'clock p.m. for those on the East Coast. It is September the 17th, 2018, and it's probably been about five or six days since I have uh, did anything online. I also have been staying away from social media uh, over the weekend. I may have made a post here or there, but I deliberately uh, was missing online as I was dealing with some stress. And I don't need stress. <laughs> you know, it's kind of unavoidable in this world, but I don't need to add to uh, my stress. I want to thank those who sent their well wishes, their thoughts, and prayers uh, for our family during hurricane Florence. Uh, fortunately I live in an area that is not in the flood zone. Uh, no danger of the river rising, uh, where I live and you know, engulfing our, our home, there is a dam on the Catawba river. Well, I think that's on Lake Norman. I'm, I can't recall Mountain Island. That's where it's at, uh, where, where we often go fishing at. But there is a, um electrical, um, electricity dam there. Um, it's not in any danger, even if it was to overflow. We are to the west of it, and we're well, well above, um, I guess you would say, you know, they say sea level. What would I say? Uh, above the level of the river, above river level. Or what have you, so we've never been in a danger of being flooded out. Uh we live in um very hill, hilly country and we live on top of one of those uh hills, basically. Uh so my family was never in any danger. Um the only thing we got was on one night it, it stormed particularly bad when the hurricane was um which had been downgraded at that point. Um, reached this area. It was a couple of lightning storms and what have you, but mostly just just rain. And it wasn't particularly hard rain either. It was just constant rain for about three days, maybe three or four days off and on. So the ground got very saturated. Um, in some of the areas in my county, there was some trees that fell. Uh, one killed a toddler and his mother, um, they were in the home when a tree fell on it and, uh, crushed them both to death. Um, there's been reported, I think about 16 deaths. One unfortunate story I I read about was this mother was in the car with her infant son and she tried to travel through some water and ended up getting swept away and they just found the baby. I think this, this morning, of course, the baby was dead. Um, so you know, it is some, some stuff happening in this area that I'm, I'm in, but I'm more concerned for the people that are like in Wilmington. Um, I'm not going to call their names out, but we do have uh, people who live in the Wilmington area who listen to Black Talk Radio and have called in from time to time. I don't want to say we haven't heard from them because of the storm cause we hadn't heard from them in a while before this storm. But Wilmington is completely cut off from the rest of the world from what I was reading. Um you can't even travel by land. That's how bad the flooding is in Wilmington, North Carolina. So definitely keep those people in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, for those that believe in praying um but um yeah, yeah um lots of lots of flooding in North Carolina. I'm not seeing a whole lot about south carolina um i I figure that's because I guess the local media um is fixated on North Carolina since that's where I live um but even the national media they're not talking about South Carolina so much, they're not really talking about any other states that also got hit. It was like an eight-state area. Um, I did read today that there were a couple of tornadoes that touched down in Virginia. Um, you know, we got Otis up in, in in that area as well as Tanya Free and Friends, which airs on this network on Wednesdays, but they're all in the Richmond area. Um, but I know um, I had talked to Purcell over the weekend. He's one of the producers of the show and he said they didn't get any rain from it whatsoever. Um, so, you know, glad to hear hear that. But um it's a it's a it's a very, very uh devastating hurricane. I think the CEO of Duke Power, which is the largest electricity company um in this state, might be in the southeast, period. Um, but he was saying this the worst storm he ever seen in his life and I don't know how old he is because you know that's not really saying something if you're in your 20s but I I suspect he's a lot older than that I think he's actually older than me and I'm I'm in my 50s so um again I really we really didn't get hit by anything um we did lose power but We only lost power because the people who live above us, like we live right next door to a church and there's a transformer that sits on the corner of the church parking lot and there's a tree right next to it. And I don't know if it was a lightning strike or, or what I want to say it was a lightning strike, but I was coming through, um, the house from my bedroom, walking towards where the church is and I just saw that whole window that faces the church just light up blue. It was like pap, 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 pap. like yeah and I was like, "Wow, what's still happening over there right Because our power stayed on and our power never went out. So I look out the window and it was the transformer. I don't know if a lightning strike hit that tree and hit that branch or if that branch I can't think of any other reason why that branch would be stripped off from the tree like it was stripped. like you know for those uh, who are old school if your mama ever made you go pick your own switch you know when you rip the switch off the little tiny you know branch off a young tree or what have you then you know how to strip it'll strip whatever you're breaking it off from so I don't know what caused that branch to strip off like that but it fell directly onto the transformer and it knocked out all the power that was above us didn't knock our power out. Um the uh I saw the church emergency lights come on and and what have you. And um good to see everything over there was working like it was supposed to be working, because they just built that uh fellowship hall. But um other than that, you know, they came and they worked on it, they cut all the power off, so only had to use the generator for about maybe six or seven hours, maybe eight hours. I had to use the generator, um, had plenty of gas. Um, I believe that generator, I run for at least 36 hours on a, on a fill up and I filled it up before the storm as well as got me some extra gas, but turned out didn't even need it. You know, had gotten all the water that we would need bottled water and whatnot. Um, you know, cause we get our, our, our water from a pump and, I don't yet know how to hook up a generator to turn the pump on to get water so we just, you know, got some some um some bottled water um to use to cook with in case we lost power but you know, we were f- more fortunate than most. It was basically a rainstorm is basically all all I got hit with. But again, everybody in North Carolina has not been so fortunate. Plenty of towns have been wiped out. There are environmental concerns with these waste pits. Um, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, when you have like a pig farm here in North Carolina, instead of treating the waste and disposing of it properly, they dig these big pits in the ground. And they may line the pit with, you know, some kind of material to keep it from seeping uh, into the groundwater or what have you, but they just, they had these huge waste pits full of a pig doo-doo and what it's same with the chicken farms and what have you. And so in a couple of counties in North Carolina, they got flooded. Obviously that's going to cover those, uh, waste. I'm gonna call them waste farms or those waste pits and what have you. So, um, you know, those are environmental concerns that that have been in North Carolina for quite some time. I've heard people talking about it, and I just don't understand why the state would allow these companies to put these sort of farms in flood regions. I mean, it's not like these are in minimum risk of flooding you know areas no these are areas that they know are are in a flood zone and what have you so you would think that there would be some kind of regulation some kind of laws that would prohibit these these um you know these ground pits for for all this waste and what cause soon as soon as as it floods out that waste is going to go where it, it's going to go wherever the water goes so you know, you do have to be careful if you're in those areas. Um, If you have to wade out into the water, hopefully you don't. Lots to be concerned about. Lots to protect yourself from. Hope that people don't get exposed to that and get ill. But I, I just think it's stupid for anyone to even put those sort of uh farms and what have you in flood zones. And so I, I was thinking, you know, Um, Not too far from where I live. um, Well, it's in Charlotte. It's across the river, so it's in Charlotte. But it's probably about 15 minutes from where I stay. They have what we call a tank farm. And what is this tank farm? Well, this is where they have these huge tanks that they have gas in. And you'll see the trucks and stuff go through there and fill up with gas to take them to, you know, the different destinations. So I imagine those tanks might be part of some kind of gas pipeline or something. I'm not exactly sure. And so I was thinking today about those waste farms. I was like, it would make more sense and it would be better um, protection for the environment that they forced those people to put those waste in, in those sort of gigantic tanks. I mean, these things are huge. Okay, they look like like the uh, Superdome. You know, these dome stadiums and stuff, they're not that big obviously, but that's what they look like with the big white top and, and everything, but they're big, very big and round and I, I don't know how many gallons they hold. I, I imagine tens of thousands of gallons. But you would think though, that the state would, if you're in a flood zone, make you uh, construct one of those things to hold that waste. But they don't. So, you know, environment gets messed up because people don't want to pay for stuff um, and people don't want to regulate things as they should be regulated. So, you know, these people that talk about we need less government regulation, look, I'm no big fan of the government Especially the federal government, but we you know we can see that people don't care about their neighbors, they don't care about what impact what they're doing may have on somebody else during such a, a, a event such as this and and they just don't care and so I do believe that it should be regulation uh, concerning things like that. And people should not just be able to do whatever they want to do because it's their property um, when what they have on their property can get washed out and then affect my property and affect a whole lot of other people's property. So, you know, I'm not good on on government regulations, but when it comes to environmental concerns, I I do believe we need some regulation. I I really do. Um, So... I just jumped right into the news, didn't I? I'm only going to be on air for an hour uh, today. Um, While we did not get hit hard, you know, we do still got some, some small branches and stuff out there in the yard, need to clean up and need to pack up um some stuff and um to just be real with you I'm just not really I'm not really into it today I've been battling I'm always dealing with depression but I've been battling depression not because uh, cause of this storm but because of stuff I see stuff I read very very stressful so that's why I kind of kept myself off off the internet um during this storm and and basically you know just uh, spent time with my grands- grandson, and um, um, I think my it was my sister-in-law who came from South Carolina. They came up here, but luckily they didn't get flooded out either. They're in Chester, South Carolina, but they always come up here whenever there's a big, big storm. Um, but I do have some news that I would like to share with you um, during this broadcast. If you have anything that you want to bring to our attention that you want to share, please do so. Give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit star, star on your telephone keypad to unmute yourself. Please watch your background noise. So let me just jump right into the news. There is one thing that I saw that is very concerning to me, and I might have mentioned this the last time I was on air um, but Israel has launched a missile attack. This happened on Saturday, Saturday night in that area of the world. Um, Israel launched a missile attack on a Damascus airport. This particular article that I'm sharing with you comes to you from abcnews.gold.com. Um, it didn't have a whole lot of propaganda. Um, some of the other articles that I was going to share, I, you know, I, I have to learn the keep scanning these articles before I share them because they, again, the media is very biased. Anybody that say that the media isn't biased, especially American media when it's concerning um, foreign affairs or what, you have to watch out for a lot of bias and what have you. And, um, you know, I've done some study and in the past you've had news executives, CEOs and whatnot, who said it's their patriotic duty to lie to the American people on the behalf of of the U.S. government and its interests and what have you. But Israel, the Associated Press uh, reported two days ago on the 15th, that was Saturday, that Israel attacked uh, Damascus International Airport with missiles on Saturday night. Syrian state media said, adding that air defenses shot down some of them. A war monitoring group said the attack targeted an arms depot for Iranian forces or Lebanon's Hezbollah group. Explosions during the attack were heard across Damascus. The state news agency SANA posted pictures showing what appeared to be air defenses firing into the air. State media quoted an unidentified military official as reporting the attack but gave no further details. Uh, Rami Rahman, who heads the Britain based Syrian observatory for human rights. Now, when I read Britain based, I don't trust them. Whenever I hear anything is Western based and it's concerning, um, something that, uh, is not in Western in- interest. Nah, I don't trust them. I don't trust them whatsoever. Um, who are these people? but anyway they said the attack targeted an arms depot near the airport where new weapons recently arrived for the Iranians or Lebanon's Hezbollah group uh, the monitoring group had no immediate word on casualties saying the strike did cause material damage now I did hear from a Russian source that over a hundred uh, people were killed and Israel is actually acknowledging this attack. And actually, in the past, um, earlier this month, I should say, um, Israeli military officials said they had struck over 200 targets in Syria over the past 18 months. That's an act of war. That's an act of war. And I'm telling you, man, I believe Israel is, is just so intent in getting the United States Involved in overthrowing the Syrian government, that they, they just getting bold with it, man. This is an act of war. Syria has not attacked Israel, hasn't done anything to Israel. It's actually Israel that's occupying Syrian territory, uh, from the, and has been so since the 1960s. And they continue to attack people who were invited into the Syrian country into Syria to fight these terrorists, which some reports have linked to Israel supporting some of these terrorists, at least Mossad, just like the CIA, Uh, and the Pentagon, where we've gotten uh, reports um, that they were aiding various groups. And, you know, somebody tried to say today, I was reading another article, they tried to say that um, Russia calling those rebels in, in Idlib, Calling them terrorists, saying that it's not right to call them terrorists. But what's the definition of terrorism? The definition of terrorism is when you use violence, and usually you you know to commit those acts of violence, you're using weapons and what have you to imp- to push a political agenda, to force the government to do what you want them to do. So Russia calling these people who started the Syrian civil war. By attacking the the secular government, they are terrorists. And many of them are Islamic terrorists, okay? And and again, I don't got anything against Islam. I'm not a Muslim. I don't practice Islam and what have you, but I don't have anything against them. But you have extremists in every uh, group and not just religious groups, but, you know, political groups, whatever group. You have extremists and you have extremists. That they have been supporting and overthrowing Syria. Just look at Libya. Look at the reports that we've gotten out of Libya with it being an uh, ISIS stronghold now, uh, Al Qaeda training ground. Nothing, I mean, they just totally destroyed that co- country. And they're going to do this, they tried to do the same thing to Syria until the Russians st- uh, stepped in. So there are Iranians in Hezbollah, okay? They are in a country that they were invited into to help fight these these terrorists, all right these Islamic extremists and what have you. And so there is no legal justification for Israel to launch attacks on Iran. They're admitting that they're engaged in an act of war. We're targeting the Iranians. we're targeting Hezbollah. all right now what 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 are they trying to do? Are they trying to start a wider conflict? That's what it seems to me, that they are trying. They, they, they just keep attacking Syria, keep attacking Syria, which has shown much restraint. Because I tell you, if I was um, Assad, man, I'd be bombing the heck out of Israel right now. I'd be bombing them. You keep attacking my country, oh, you know what? We coming to take our land back. All right, and we're gonna bomb the heck out of you. You know, so they're showing tremendous restraint. And then, you know, from this same article, it's talking about US and Israeli Israeli officials have said that Iran and Hezbollah should end their armed presence in Syria. Again, they have been invited into Syria. Has the United States military been invited into Syria? No, they have not. They have invaded A sovereign nation illegally with no justification. None. They can say that they're doing it out of humanitarian concerns. Well, we see what their humanitarian concerns have resulted in in Libya. All right. So Israel says it's alarmed by expansion of operations by Iran and Hezbollah in Syria. What? What what they killing terrorists? Your allies? Your Saudi backed allies? Your Mossad backed allies? Your US backed allies? This is this is ridiculous. That we even had to break this down and explain to people, but you know, people get into their religious uh, beliefs and what have you, and if Syria was to retaliate, which will be well within their right, we will have these misguided Bible thumpers who will be calling for the U.S. to defend, uh, um, you know, Israel based off of some biblical history. All right? No, there is no justification. God is no respecter of persons according to that Bible. If you do wrong, then you do wrong. You and you have to suffer the repercussions of that. But again, people don't read, they don't study, and they they find themselves believing these these things that make no logical sense whatsoever. How can you say God is a just God, but then God is going to support one country attacking another country with no provocation whatsoever. God's going to support racism and discrimination based on skin color or I belong to a different sect of Judaism or or what have you. I don't think people be really thinking about these things when they say them. So, anyway, that I'm really concerned about that because it has the potential to blow up into World War Three, and they're not going to get me and they're not going to get my children but they may get yours and I just don't want to see upwards of a million people to be killed behind nonsense behind greed behind fanaticism so anyway uh, let me move on like I said, I'm only gonna be on for an hour today. I'm just just not feeling it, as they say. Um, been de- battling depression here lately. Always dealing with it, but you know, just trying to keep myself from sinking further into depression. And it's not because I'm going through. Well, yeah, I'm going through some stuff, but but nothing like what other people are going through you know i don't i try not to worry about too many things because you know in my life um i've always been provided for cuz i know where my help comes from and then i also know worrying about something is not going to add do anything uh to solve whatever it is that i'm worried about man worry leads to stress which leads me to my next article um i thought this was interesting uh, let me see if I can find it. All my articles are posted on my profile page in btrcommunity.com. If you're a member of btrcommunity.com, that's where you'll find these articles on my profile, BTR News with Scotty Reed. I found this article to be in- interesting. Um, I had just got through saying um, to someone, I don't worry about stuff, man. I I, I take care of what I can control. Anything I can't control, me worrying about it is not gonna bring it under my control. So what's the point? All that's gonna do is add stress to my life. It's very stressful worrying about something you can't do nothing about. And and like I've I've said, like I said that person, I'm prepared to die every day. I don't I don't look at it like, you know, I'm guaranteed this long life to live to where I'm 100 years old, 150 years old. I don't even want to live that long. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't even want to live that long. There's nothing about this world other than my children and grandchildren and my mom and dad who's still alive. Uh, the rest of this world, man, I don't really care for it, to be honest with you. That's why I stay stressed out reading about slavery in this country and across the world. I was looking at a documentary today about, oh man, India, India is terrible when it comes to sex trafficking. Little girls as young as 10 years old. I don't know why, how I got to watching that documentary today, but I was like, man, I'm just really blessed. My family's just really blessed. The people who live around here are just really blessed. We don't know what struggling is, y'all. I'm telling you, we really don't know. When we say we poor, yeah, we poor in the sense of when you comparing it to other people in this country. But when it when you compare it to people in other countries, like like I was seeing in this documentary where people are selling. Uh, children and what have you in into sexual slavery? I'm like, man, we don't know what suffering is. We really don't. I am not concerned about somebody kidnapping my child and and selling them into sexual slavery and had them working in the brothel and and what ha- I mean, man, but anyway, this article came from Scientific American and made a lot of sense to me. I just got through talking about it. I'm not going to be stressing over stuff that I cannot control if I'm going to die today then I'm just going to die today you know I see you on the other side I'm not going to be in living in fear of being killed bump that new research suggests genetic material from the mit- mitochondria can trigger an immune response throughout the body in other words it can make you sick all right Humans and other mammals react to stressful situations through a series of well-orchestrated evolutionary adaptations. When faced with a predator looking for his next meal or with worry of losing a job, our bodies release a cascade of stress hormones. Our heart rate spikes, breath quickens, muscles tense up, and beads of sweat appear. This so-called flight or flight response served our ancestors well, but its continual activation in our modern day lives comes with a cost. Scientists are starting to realize stress often exacerbates several diseases, including depression, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, HIV AIDS, and asthma. One theory is hoping to explain the link between stress and such widespread habit by laying the blame on an unexpected source, the microscopic powerhouses inside each cell. Each of our cells contains hundreds of small bean-shaped mitochondria, subcellular structures, or organelles that provide the energy needed for normal functioning. Mitochondria, have their own circular genome with 37 genes. We inherit this mitochondrial DNA from only our mothers. So the makeup of the DNA's code stays relatively consistent from one generation to the next. But our flight or flight responses place extreme demands on mitochondria. All of a sudden, they need to produce much more energy to fuel a faster heartbeat, expanding lungs and tensing muscles, which leaves them vulnerable to damage. Unlike DNA in the cells nucleus, though, mitochondria have limited repair mechanisms. And recent animal studies have shown chronic stress not only leads to mitochondrial damage in brain regions such as the hippocampus, uh hypothalamus and cortex it also results in mitochondria releasing their DNA into the cell cytoplasm and eventually into the blood the genetic and i'm this will be the last article again the full article and it's quite long is posted in btrcommunity.com the genetic castoffs are not just inert cellular waste The circulating mitochondrial DNA acts like a hormone, says Martin Picard, a psychobiologist at Columbia University who has been studying mitochondrial behavior in the cell-free mitochondrial DNA for the better part of the last decade. Uh, Injection of mitochondrial DNA from the cell mimics somewhat adrenal glands, release of cortisol, In response to stress, he says, certain cells produce the circulating mitochondrial DNA and as with the adrenal glands, its release is also triggered by stress. And, you know, I don't know if this is breaking news. They're just probably getting down to the minute details in explaining or understanding how it works. But I think stress has long been um, associated with, people not being well, with people being unhealthy. I mean, just stress is, <laughs> I'm about to say stress is stressful, <laughs> but man, I, I'm telling you, as a person who has struggled with, with depression and what have you, stress, it can be a killer, man. It, it, it really can. And I believe that sometimes we be stressing out over stuff that we shouldn't be stressing out over. You know, even the Bible talks about, you know, not being in stress mode all the time, not worrying about stuff that you can't control, that you don't even have all the answers to. You don't understand, but you speculate on this, that, and the other, and yell, danger, 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 like the robot on Lost in Space and what have you. And people get stressed out, and then whatever it is they were stressing out about, Never even happens, but you didn't stressed out, you didn't stressed out over it, and that takes a toll on your health and and that's why we have to limit our exposure to things that bring us stress. That's why I don't watch those police shooting videos anymore That's very traumatizing to me because I'm an empathetic person that's like seeing one of my own get shot, you know. I don't like seeing that type of stuff, man. I I am not squeamish when it comes to horror movies and stuff, but I know that's fake. I know that's fake. Stuff like seeing Laquan McDonald body get riddled with 16 bullets, that's stressful to me. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't need to see it to know that police are killing and shooting people. I don't need to see it. Okay, I'll take y'all word for it, but I'm not watching it. All of these videos that people be sending through social media, send them in your private messages and stuff, just extreme acts of violence. I'm like, dude, why you keep sending me this stuff? I don't want to see it. I can read about it. You can point me to an article, but I don't want to watch your snuff films. I don't need to see that. I don't need to have that stress on me of living through that as if I lived through it. You know, I'm experiencing it on a mental level. So it is like it's happening to me, you know? And I guess if you're a non-empathetic person where, you know, you don't really give a damn about other people, then it probably wouldn't have any effect on you, but it has an effect on me. It, it really does. And I, I don't want to watch it. Okay. Okay. And then I feel like some people, man, especially when it comes to racism in this country, that they make what I call race porn. That everything is racism. Even though there are no overt acts of racism, you don't have any old evidence. You're just speculating, and I think it's racism because that person has a different skin color than the other person. So it must be racism. And then everybody's up in arms about, oh, yeah, it's racism. And I'm like, man, this is race porn. Why why do we want to make up stuff? Why do we want to speculate? See, you speculate when you don't have evidence. That's what speculation is you don't have evidence. So I'm gonna speculate, meaning I'm just gonna make up some stuff. That's stressful to me. That's stressful. That's one of the reasons why I had to stay off the internet over this weekend with this crap about Serena Williams and and it was some other stuff. And I was like, I'm tired of reading about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. We got people in slavery right now who are on strike against slavery, fighting for their human rights, against some of the gravest crimes against humanity and we focused on Serena Williams and whether or not this this um, umpire did her wrong. I don't care about that stuff, man. She ain't even saying it's racism. She's saying it's sexism. Which I did hear Stephen A. Smith say, hey, how's this sexism when he does the same, this particular man does the same thing to men. Men have been complaining about this umpire. So how is it sexism? But everybody say, oh, look, I'm like, man, y'all just be creating stress for yourselves. You invent stuff where it don't, you don't have no evidence of it. We have to take better care of our mental health. There are too many real instances of people being mistreated who need help whose stories don't get told, what nobody seems to care about, but we so concerned about whether or not some celebrity is being done wrong. Man, please, I ain't got time for that. So this article says that stress can lead And they're breaking down the science of it, which is something I think people already knew, that too much stress is bad for your health. And not just your mental health, but your physical health. Okay? It is causing you brain damage. And and so we have to guard ourselves, man. Again, I have to step back from social media at times, because I mean, it's just a constant barrage of negativity and what have you. Now, again, you know, it's kind of hard for me to do considering that I run a news network and I do a news program, you know. But I'm not—I don't—I don't, I don't want to be exposed to stuff where people just making up stuff. Okay, they just making up stuff. It's like they trying to win, you know, some kind of contest or something or who's the most abused on the planet and we'll make up stuff it's sickening to me man and according to this article it can literally make you sick so just just guard your mind like the bible say guard your ear gate guard your eye gate okay cause stuff can get into you that is very very harmful so don't want y'all stressing out man take some time off when you need to let your body recharge all right so um as i mentioned let me check to see if we got um anybody wants to come in sorry if i missed anyone looks like we got i think that's ross calling us from um the new jersey the great state of new jersey what's going on brother ross
2: peace to you brother scotty great great conversation i'm glad you watched that up. Um, and I think you're correct when you talk about um, the fact that we don't really understand or know poverty like that. And that's one of the reasons I implore people to travel, because when you travel, and, you know, I've heard some, some folks um, many months ago earlier this year say that they don't travel and everything they need they can find here in America, so why travel someplace else? I think that's a very closed-minded thing. I think you should travel in America, but you definitely should travel outside of America. Yeah, and Ross. Like you said, hey, hey, Ross.
1: Though, but if you travel, like, right, exactly, you need to go to see the real thing. You need to get away from the tourist, you know, designated areas where you're just going to be around a bunch of tourists. When I was in the military, like, I was stationed in Hawaii. I didn't spend all my time hanging out in Waikiki, you know, the, the the tourist destination with the pristine beaches and, and all these bikini beauties or what. I went to the quote-unquote ghettos, man, because I, I hung yeah. out at the gym, at the local, you know, whatever gym where the, where the locals went to play basketball and whatnot. I got to know the local people.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I did when I went to Egypt. We got to sit and talk to a bunch of Nubians there. And um, like I have said before, when I got there, all the Nubians was calling us Nubian Americans. And they saw us as brothers, and that's how they approached our whole group. And, um, you know, you got to really see uh, how they live, and we got to talk to them, ask them questions. And the Nubians suffer quite a bit in Egypt because they're not Muslims. The vast majority of them are Christian, so you get to really see some of the things that um that happen. And you can even see a great difference in the cleanliness of the country. Dr. Wilson used to always talk about that, uh, um, black people keeping their neighborhoods clean. And one thing that I noticed, and there were many other people that have been there, whether they were just um, lay people or scholars, um that have discussed the fact that the further south you go in Egypt, the cleaner the country gets. When you get to the black area, I remember as early as 4 o'clock in the morning, there were Nubians sweeping the street, picking up stuff, making sure that...
1: Hey, you cut out on us, Ross. You still there? You might have accidentally muted yourself last thing i I heard from you ross was saying how they kept the um the streets clean and what have you that's one thing i noticed from the documentary but i think uh anybody who's seen anything about india that um i forget is it the ganges river or something that's one of the most polluted rivers in the world man they be bathing in that, that nasty stuff man but i noticed in that there were um the documentary was focusing on the brothels in in mumbai which is the largest city in india man it looked like they lived in a landfill i was like man i felt so sorry for them people man and and just hearing the stories of them girls and how they ended up in in prostitution man being forced against their will and kept in cages and stuff like that. And I was like, man, you know, it just really makes me thankful, man, for what I do have, you know. And and so, um, one of the things I I did notice in a couple of other countries that I went to, you know, was very clean, man. Canada's like that, you know. I noticed that when we used to uh, travel from Detroit to uh Canada, man, it, it it was very clean and what have you. So, um, Ross, do we have have you back? okay, perhaps um, something came up and uh, he has to attend to that. All right, so, yeah. Let me move to the next story. Let me see. I got about 15 minutes, 13 minutes. Um, You back, Ross? Can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you now.
2: Okay, I don't know what happened. I think my headphones might have blew on me. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. I was saying um, the Ganges, yes, it's Filthy because that's one of the places they bury their dead, and um they got these giant catfish called I think the Gooch catfish that grow bigger than people, and it's from eating all the dead bodies they put in that river. And the Ganges was actually named after an Ethiopian general that fought his way to that spot, and they named that river in commemoration of his victory after him. So you're absolutely correct. The other thing too. I was going to say was that um, growing up in Trinidad, man, it was uh, not growing up, but just going to see my relatives spend the summers there. I mean, I totally, it was a culture shock for me the very first time I went at an age that I could, uh, you know, reason and understand what I was seeing because my grandmother didn't have a toilet in the house. It was an outhouse, you know, and it was the, it was, I got used to it, but it was the most weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, we lost you again, Ross. Yeah, we used to have an outhouse when we I, I had never seen one until we moved back down here from Detroit. My grandfather had one, but he had a toilet in the house, but they had an outhouse because it was closer to the fields, you know, because they were farming back then. And um and so we had that little outhouse and what have you. Um Ross, I don't know what's going on with your audio issues, bro. Uh let me see. Here is a story I wanted to talk about um, again. If you're in North Carolina, I hope that you have reached safety, but a lot of people are suffering right now. So I'm just going to go over this report. Um, that's just naming some of the stuff, talking about some of the stuff um, that people are going through. Now, um, we they did declare a state of emergency, And therefore, a new law kicks in. This will be the first time this law has been put into effect. But it's an anti-gouging law. Um, And it, it comes into effect whenever there's a declared state of emergency. And the law mandates that businesses in the state aren't allowed to spike prices during any natural disaster for necessary items like food, water, hotel rooms. But so far... Um, is saying the North Carolina Attorney General Office has received more than 500 complaints. Um, Residents have complained of exorbitant markups on items such as gas and water. Attorney General Josh Stein said on Sunday, said his office is also getting reports of hotels overcharging evacuees. The price gouging law will be in place until... Governor Roy Cooper lifts the state of emergency. Businesses that charge too much may have to refund customers and pay up to $5,000 for every violation. So um, it also gives a telephone number 1 877 5NO scam. That's 1 877 5NO S-C-A-M, that's no scan, or you can go to file a complaint at www.ncdoj.gov, ncdoj.gov. Now, I got got gas on that Thursday. It was due to hit um, North Carolina. Well, it already hit the uh, Outer Banks and what have you of North Carolina. But they weren't um, saying it wasn't going to hit the mainland until Friday. So I went out Thursday and, um, you know, filled up my daughter's tank and got some extra gas in in, in a couple of gas cans for the generator in case, you know, we were out of power for any length of time. Um, Fortunately, did not need that, um, all of that gas. But it's better to, you know, have something and not need it than to need it and not have it. Um, But I did notice that, you know, it was um, gas was selling out fast and that was on Thursday. I'm glad I went when I went because I found one of the few places that even had some gas and they were charging like two dollars and ninety nine cents a gallon. Now, that's not real exorbitant um, and I'm not sure what the regular gas price was, so I'm not going to accuse Um, those people (laughs) price gouging, but they was, you know, having a sale on eggs, you know, perishable items and what have you that they were trying to get rid of. And they had lowered the price on that. So, um, just something to be wary of. And this is why it's important to prepare ahead of time, man, get the stuff that you need. Even, you know, water doesn't spoil water does not spoil. So you can buy cases of water and just set them up for when you will need them. Get, get them when there's a non-emergency and store it. Canned goods is, man, I got so much canned goods right now. I'm like, wow, you know, but again, you know, it'll eventually get get ate, so I ain't, I'm not worried about it. I just wanted to make sure we had everything that, that we needed and wouldn't need to go out or, you know, be asking for anybody's help, so... Um, I live in a small community that, where we pretty much look out for each other. I, you know, had relatives that live down the road coming up the road to check on us and, and, and what have you. So, you know, it's it's just best to prepare ahead of time, man, instead of waiting to the last minute. But I, I understand, though, economics, some people may not be able to. Well, I'm not even going to say that, you know. I'm not going to say that because we, we spend money on things that we want. So we should be willing to spend money on things that we need, especially if it's going to sustain our life uh during an emergency. And like I was telling this guy at the uh gas station and um you know we were talking about generators and what have you. And I was telling him, "Man, generators do not cost a lot of money. You can get a generator for what people pay for these gaming systems, man. I mean, people spend thousands of dollars on these computer Gaming systems, um, these Xboxes and stuff cost two or three hundred dollars. Well, you can find a generator for about three hundred dollars at a pawn shop. I'm sure you know, and um, so you know, those are things that you that you should invest in, that you should have on hand, so that you don't um, depend on somebody to come rescue you. But again, you know, even the best laid plans can be laid to waste. So. You just have to adapt and go with the flow or what have you. All right. Next story that I want to uh, close out with um, is the Laquan McDonald murder. That that killer cop, that slave catcher who pumped 16 bullets into that young man's body. Uh, I mean, that's there's no excuse for that, man. No excuse. But anyway, that trial started today. And I'm going to play this clip so that you can uh, get a feel for some of the stuff that's being said during Van Dyke's trial. Um, again, Laquan McDonald was murdered a couple of years ago um, by a Chicago slave catcher. Um, they hid, it might have been three years ago because they sat on it for a year. Um, I believe that's why rami Emanuel has made the decision that he's not going to run for reelection. I think this trial is why, and it possibly might come out. It's already come out, but how they paid off the mother five million dollars and made her sign a non-disclosure agreement to where she wouldn't talk about the case or bring it to the attention of the press. So they—they they, that's why I think Ron Emanuel has decided not to run for reelection. Is because uh, of the police brutality, slave catching issues they have um, have there. So, anyway, here's that, this clip from the Associated Press about that murder. This trial. is
2: a fair jury.
1: I, uh, the motion to uh, discharge a panel is denied. They're under oath. You know, it's just to say that they're reluctant or anything. I believe these people. I've had past experience with high profile cases, and I've had faith in the citizens of
3: Cook County. Your motion for change of venue is denied.
1: Jason Van. D- Just to get some context, that was the judge speaking and denying the defense motion to change the venue to move it out of the county where the crime occurred. Cause that's something these police always try to do is they try to get get a uh, um you know get their trial if they're brought to trial, um, which is often you know very rare unfortunately, even when there is evidence, but they try to get it moved, especially if that county has a considerable population of non-white people and the cop is white or what, what have you? Well, usually it don't even matter the color of the cop because most of these people are pro-police. They don't see you as being black. If you're wearing that blue uniform, they they see you as one of those blue lives that matter to them and what have you. But that's what you just heard the judge denying the motion to change the venue or, or change counties. All right, so n- next what you're gonna hear is the prosecutor and then you're gonna hear the defense attorney who makes a very absurd statement.
3: Jason Van Dyke is charged with first degree murder and 16 counts of aggravated battery with the firearm and official misconduct because not a single shot was necessary or justified. This defendant gets out of his vehicle. From the moment he gets out of his vehicle, six seconds later, he pulls the trigger for the first time and starts to shoot Laquan McDonald. For the next 12 and a half seconds, the defendant continues to pull the trigger of his gun over and over until he empties the entire clip of the gun. In total, this defendant decides to shoot Laquan McDonald not once, not twice, but three, four, five, six, seven, eight, he's only halfway done, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 times in total, this
1: story, the 20- okay, what you just heard there was the prosecutor, next you'll hear the defense attorney, but I mean, as he illustrated there. You just arrived on the scene. you already had cops who were there. None of them were shooting at the young man. They were keeping their distance, waiting on someone to uh, come with a taser uh, less non-lethal. I don't want to say non-lethal because tasers shoot 50,000 volts through your body which can do, disrupt your biological electrical system, which is you know how your heart pumps little electrical impulses produced by your body is what makes your heart pump. And you can disrupt that by introducing 50,000 volts into a person's body. So I don't, you know, I've heard some reports say non-lethal, refer to tasers as non-lethal. No, no, that depends. It depends on the health of that person. Plenty of people have died from being tased and what have you. So they're not, they are lethal, but less lethal, than a firearm okay so that's what they were waiting on somebody and i'm like man why why isn't a taser standard issue for every patrol car you would think well perhaps if they didn't spend money millions of dollars creating this gang database where they try to predict crime like like minority report from the movies you know that movie with tom cruise where they had the pre-crime unit they try to predict crime and what have you Chicago spent millions of dollars on 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 such a database which (laughs) is just a waste of money and you don't even have non-lethal tasers for every cop so that's what they were waiting on but as soon as this guy pulls up five seconds on the scene and he starts shooting okay I believe he came there with the intent to kill he wanted to kill somebody. And he was very, oh, very, very zealous in his killing. As you heard the prosecutor say, he, he just kept firing, man. Empty, emptied his clip within a matter of seconds, you know, against somebody they knew was not armed with a firearm. That's why they were keeping their distance and what have you. They The other cops didn't want to kill him because he had a, a, a knife or what have you. Perhaps, you know, they were trying to be more humane and treat this as a person in distress instead of a criminal. And, and so here comes Van Dyke, fresh on the scene, within five seconds, just shooting this young man like he was having target practice or something. So here's the defense attorney for this scumbag.
4: 24 hours leading up to the final chapter here, directed by Laquan McDonald shows the story of an out of control individual who didn't care about anyone, not citizens, not armed police officers, and not himself. The evidence will show that in the 24 hours preceding this, Laquan McDonald was on a wild rampage through the city. Even if you believe everything the government said, and you believe, well, I wouldn't have shot him. Jason Van Dyke, he wasn't in reasonable affair. Even if you believe that, which I don't think you will at the end of this trial, the shooting is still awful. What happened to Laquan McDonald was a tragedy. It's a tragedy, but it's not a murder that's what the
1: evidence is going to show. Okay, now, I'm not sure the exact charges um, that Van Dyke is, is facing, um, but perhaps they are murder charges. Again, how absurd, it, it, again, we see this all the time. We're seeing it with Botham um, well, Jean down there in Dallas. Oh, he had weed in his apartment. You know, criminalized the victim. That's, that's standard Operating procedure criminalize the victim, make him seem less sympathetic, make him seem like he's an animal, a thug, a drug dealer, or what have you. But he—he's saying this young man had went on a rampage across the city. Now they were responding to uh, reported break-ins at—I guess it was like a truck stop or something—but reported. Or allegedly, somebody was breaking in the trucks. I haven't anyone? I haven't heard anyone. And it's not to say that no one identified him, but as of yet, I've not heard anybody say he was the person who was breaking in the trucks. But let's say he was the person who was breaking in in the trucks. Is that a rampage across the city? I mean, he he making it sound like grand theft auto or something like like Laquan McDonald was riding around running over prostitutes for 20 points or or something or or to take their money like in the game or something you know like he was rampaging that's what rampaging means you know i'm just going berserk i'm i'm just i'm just victimizing uh everyone that comes across my path and what have you no this was not grand theft auto so him talking about the evidence will show laquan mcdonald was rampaging across the city. Well, I, I like to see that evidence. Because if you're talking about somebody allegedly breaking into a truck, then, you know, uh, I have to say that doesn't sound like rampaging to me. Okay. But again, these other cops who were already there on the scene, they didn't feel threatened to the point that they shot him. Or in even, this was even after he allegedly. Um, when they tried to cut him off with the car, stabbed the tire and scraped the windshield, and then started running away from them. That's very key. He he was not running towards them; he was running away from them. How many times people get shot in the back, running away? Oh, I, I'm I'm in such fear for my life. This person's running away from me. What That makes no sense whatsoever. This was a cold-blooded murder. I don't know what the technical charges are. I don't know if it's first degree, second degree, or third degree. Probably second degree. But I, I believe that Van Dyke came on the scene with the intent to kill someone, to murder someone. Because nobody, even after he started firing, nobody else fired their weapon. Only him. Then he sat up on death duty for an entire year getting paid after this murder. Yeah, Romney Manuel needed to resign. Yeah, that other DA needed to get kicked out. Kim Fox or whatever her name was. that, That was the DA of Cook County. No, Anita Alvarez. Um, cause I know her from other cases and what have you, but she needed to, to get voted out Often office. They sat on this for an entire year without even doing anything about it. But then once the media got a hold of it, um, now all of a sudden they're going to charge the dude, man, I tell you, so that's what's going on. Um, a lot of people are, are watching that case. Um, as well as I heard there were protests down there in Dallas at the uh, NFL football game, um, which is apropos, you know, uh, considering here you got another person murdered by cops, just like Colin Kaepernick was talking about. And, you know, you had Dak Prescott and the others try to make it seem like the um, uh, Kaepernick-led – Silent protests were about something else, you know. And then Jerry Jones saying what he said. So, you know, you had a bunch of protesters show up at that NFL game, um, you know, protesting on, um, I don't know if it's proper to say on the behalf of, but um, outraged about or bringing attention to this particular case, which a lot of details are still unknown at this point. And, you know, given that I don't like for people to speculate without evidence and just make up stuff, I'm not going to make up anything. The only thing that I know for a fact is that a young black man, 26 years old, by the name of Botham James, was killed in his own apartment by a cop named Amber Geiger or whatever her name is. That's all I know for a fact. The other stuff, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate but I will be watching for details to to be revealed and for the information to come out. The family seems to be well represented by capable attorneys, and I don't think they're going to stand by and let us be served a bunch of misinformation. All right, that's my broadcast. As I stated, only on for an hour today. I've gone a little over an hour. Um, Again, keep those people in your prayers that have been affected by Hurricane Florence, which is now a tropical depression is what they're calling it now. But even so, um, there are dams throughout North Carolina that are in threat of failing. And lots of people, I've heard of some mandatory evacuations. So You know, the death toll right now stands at 16. But I tell you, those dams break. Hell, y'all know what happened in Katrina when they blew the levees. But um, anyway, um, so just keep us in in your prayers. You know, those people that are affected, don't worry about me and mine. We're doing okay. Um, But thank you all. Thank you to all those who expressed their well wishes for our safety and what have you. But, you know, um, we are safe. And Not in any danger, but there are plenty of people who are still in danger. Um, particularly, I want to, you know, I'm thinking about some of our listening audience that's in the Wilmington area. I hope that they are okay. I hope they got out and had somewhere to go, you know. It's one thing, like my mom was saying, you say that you learn from these hurricanes and, and these disasters and what have you. Some people don't have vehicles. Some people don't have reliable transportation, and I didn't see nor hear of any reports of the National Guard uh, sending out trucks and what have you. You know, deuce and halves as we call them. Um, any kind of vehicles that can transport people out of these areas. I never see. I never see the local bus company volunteering. There are buses to get people out. I never hear the hey. If you need, we're ordering people out. This mandatory evacuation. These are the evacuation points for those who don't have transportation. You know, this is where you need to be. It's such and such, I, I don't. I don't hear these sort of reports. You know, I, I don't. So I'm like, man. I'm like my mom. Y'all sure don't seem to be learning nothing. You know. All these people get stranded. It's because they poor. Now, some of them do choose to stay behind, and that's on them if they choose to stay behind. But a lot of people just can't. They don't have the means to get out, okay? And so it, it would be helpful, in my opinion, if um, you know the uh, state uh, and the other authorities and even the corporations would would help in evacuating people instead of just telling them to get out. All right. This has been Scotty Reed with this broadcast on this September the 17th, 2018. Don't forget the prison strike. I understand some of the prisoners are still striking. You can go to Twitter is where I go to and look up under the hashtag prison strike for the latest information. Uh, we do have a petition on black talk which is, uh, Demanding the human rights of these prisoners be respected. 17,000 people have signed this petition that was created by uh, prisoners. Um, So we posted it on the front page of Black Talk Radio Network. If you have not signed, please consider uh, helping us. Um, Just let these people know that there are some of us who do care about these prisoners. And you know that um, they are human beings and they deserve to be treated as such. All right, with that said, peace and blessings to all. Y'all be safe out there. I'll be back on air tomorrow at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Peace.